All right, so now that Thanksgiving's over, it's officially Christmas, and uh, some people love that, and some people ambivalent, but just want you to know, uh, we have a few more weeks of like this this doctrinal series on the church. I, I'm, we got a few more weeks of it, so this week, and then two more weeks, and then and then there'll be some Christmassy messages, but um, yeah, we, we've been in this series, uh, The Church, A Broken and Beautiful Bride, and, and the the, the, the scriptures just have so much to say about who we are as the church. The church is the called out people of God. And so today we're going to continue that series on uh, the name. Like what is in the name of our church at Orchard? Why, why do we call ourselves Orchard and not just anything else? Um, and so, so what's in a name? Sometimes names are confusing, like chicken fingers. Why are they called chicken fingers if chickens don't have fingers? It doesn't even look like fingers. You eat them with your fingers, but you eat a whole lot of other things with your fingers too. Um, sorry, I've got other corny jokes. Like pants. Why do you call it a pair of pants? There's just one. There's a pair of pant legs maybe. But uh, why call it pants? Or fun size candy. What's so fun about a smaller package of candy? <laughs> Um, and this one has nothing to do with the name unless it's like called a push tab, this next one. Uh, yeah, that never works though. When you push the tab, it just, you got to push it with a knife or something. Um, but I do think that, uh, that is the way that many in our world feel about the church. Uh, the name, it just doesn't, uh, live up to its name. The name is often confusing or helpful, uh, unhelpful, like, what, is, what does faith evangelical free church mean? Uh, what does uh, orchard community church mean? Um, but biblically, a name often carries significant meaning. It doesn't mean that a name always has to carry significant meaning, but we're going to look at a few examples of how names carry meaning. In Hosea, God told the prophet Hosea to stay with his unfaithful wife, Gomer, and uh, Hosea 1, it records some of the kids that they had. And God, God named these kids as an indication of his message to his people. So Hosea 1.6, God says, name this girl Lo-Ruhamah, which in Hebrew means I will no longer have compassion. So imagine, you know, you're a parent of Lo-Ruhamah and Lo-Ruhamah gets up at two, then three, then four, and and. It's, it, it would be like uncompassionate is, is your daughter's name. And you have to have compassion on uncompassionate. No compassion. Um, but this is a message of God, a message of his judgment towards his people. And then the, their next kid was not any better. It was lo ami, which means you are not my people and I am not your God. It was, is a message of judgment because of the people's ongoing sin and rebellion. Conversely, when the angel, here, here's a little bit of Christmas for you, Christmasites, people who love Christmas. Conversely, when the angel visits Joseph to tell him about Mary's pregnancy, he gives Joseph the name for the, for the child, Matthew 1.21. She, Mary, will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And Jesus in Hebrew is to deliver, save, or to rescue. So you're to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So again, today we're going to talk about why orchard. What does our name orchard mean? 
and I hope that there's clarity and not, not all of Orchard is here today. We've talked about that in this series before um, because Orchard is the people. It's, it's the people. It's not this building. But uh, I hope that there's clarity and that together we can pray towards becoming that we could live up to this name uh, and what it embodies. That that would be who we are and who we're becoming. So uh, the first passage that we're going to look at is Psalm chapter 1. And, and we're going to see in these three verses that the truly good life is found in God. It is the with God life. And so we're going to see this imagery of a tree in all of these passages. Um, so Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But here's the blessed one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, the one who meditates on God's law day and night. That person is like a tree, okay? Here's, here's where we're connecting it to our name. We're, we're connecting our name to this, actually. That person is like a tree, the blessed person who delights in the law of God, who meditates on his law day and night. A tree planted by streams of water, a tree that yields its fruit in season, whose leaf doesn't wither. Whatever that person does prospers. And water and sunlight, that's what trees need to flourish. And what we are saying, what the Bible is saying, is that we need God to flourish. We need to stay connected to him in order to flourish and to prosper. And that will result in fruit at the proper time. And so, it's easy to read this. I mean, even as I read it and I reflected on the last two plus years of our church history, I've seen God do this. I've seen him answer prayers. But it's easy for me to think all the ways that God has moved, that is him prospering us. And yes, it is, but that's not, that's not the exclusive measure. Because um, when it says whatever he does prospers, it's not God promising that he'll make your life good the way that you want it to be good. If you pay attention to him, uh, then, then you can get what you want. But no, if you pay attention to God, you'll get God. And so Joseph is a great example of prospering. Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery and he prospered. And then uh, he, was in, he was falsely accused in Pot- Potiphar's house, sent to jail, and he prospered. And then ultimately God used all of that for his good. But Joseph's prospering was because of his connection to God. And so Psalm 1 is saying that the person who stays connected to God is blessed, not because of what they get or how their life goes on the outside, but because internally they are delightfully fixated on God. And he supplies for their good, not all that they want, but all that is truly good for them. And so an application from this verse is who or what are you inclined to worship? And I'm not saying who or what do you sing songs about or who or what do you sing songs to, but to whom do you just kind of wake up in the morning and you think to give your attention and your affection? We see it in Psalm 1. Attention is meditating. It's, it's just thinking about something over and over. What, what do you find yourself thinking about over and over, day and night? Or affection, what, what, what are you drawn towards? What delights you? 
This psalm tells us that we can become people who give our attention and affection increasingly to God. And this, this requires training. That's why we're often talking on Sunday and in small groups about having quiet times, or you could call them quality times with God. Um, small group Uh, That's why we encourage you and invite you all into small groups because we train together. This Sunday morning time is a time of training. But when you're in your car listening to music, it could be a a time of training. You can have silence in your car as a time of training to be with God, to connect with God. Your hobbies and your free time, all of life is an opportunity to train, to stay connected, to be like a tree planted by streams of water. And the second, second passage, the second way that we want to grow into being an orchard is uh, found in John 15. And, and this passage talks about this life with God is, is not a life where you get with God here and there, but it's a life of remaining, remaining in Christ. And so John 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples before he goes to the cross. And he says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. So here we have this garden kind of tree imagery again. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain In the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing, which means if you do nothing, you can be sure that you're apart from Jesus. But if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear, that you produce much fruit and show yourselves to be my disciples. So it's clear fruit is found like seven times in this passage. It's all over this passage. It's clear that the father as the gardener is interested in fruit. He's not interested in a bunch of fruit trees that don't bear fruit. But he's also interested in the process. How do you go about bearing fruit? It's not just getting some duct tape and sticking some fruit, you know, going to the store and sticking some fruit up on the limbs. No, he's interested in the process of being connected together and then out of the overflow of our connection with him, fruit happens. Like fruit is produced. And so what is an orchard? An orchard is simply a community of fruit-bearing trees. And the only way that any fruit is produced, again, is through connection to Jesus, not just duct tape onto the branches. (laughs) And so uh, I was thinking, uh, you know, people often, and I I appreciate vision, and and I've grown in my appreciation for vision over the years, but uh, how does this sound for a compelling vision? Let's remain. Let's, let's just stay. <laughs> let's abide. That, that typically, you don't hear that as a vision, but this is Jesus' vision for his people. Remain with me. Stick it out. I'm going to remain with you, he says in verse 4. You remain with me. That's, 
That's our marching orders, to be found faithful. And it won't capture the attention or the applause of the world, but you can be sure that it captures the applause of heaven. And that fruit will just be produced as a result, as a result of remaining in Jesus. So the third uh, picture that we see of an orchard here is uh, found in Luke 6. And it talks about remaining. It kind of builds on John 15. It talks about this remaining in Jesus as an internal work. It's a work that goes on inside of us. So Jesus is teaching here again, and he says, no good tree, again, this is connection to orchard, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So again, it's, it's, it's re-emphasizing this truth that fruit originates, it comes from within us. And so I really like this phrase that Pete Cesaro says, you cannot give what you do not possess. You can only give what you do possess. I'll say that again. You cannot give what you do not possess. You can only give what you do possess. And so this remaining in Jesus, it, it's an internal work. It's, it's a work of acknowledging our emotions, our desires, our, our choices, good and bad. And uh, one application as I thought about, how does this look practically in our everyday life? Uh, for me, it looks like confession of sin. <laughs> because the Bible says that we're all sinners, even those of us who are saved. And we would... We would all acknowledge none of us are perfect, but are we aware of what our imperfections are? Or do we just cover it up with the blanket statement, oh, I know I'm not perfect. (laughs) But confession of sin, it, it does many things, but two things, two benefits I especially want to highlight. It keeps you aware of your need to abide, your need to remain in Jesus, that you still need Jesus that Jesus is still available and present to you. And it also helps others around you. Confession, it's not just to God, but confession to close friends, for example, like small group. It helps them see that they too can abide in Jesus. Jesus is like this, this abiding in Jesus isn't a life of perfection. It's a life of direction. So it really clarifies what abiding in Jesus looks like. And so lastly, um, our name Orchard really, uh, it, it, it's kind of an attempt of a summary of the whole Bible because the Bible begins in a garden with trees and the Bible ends uh, with garden imagery and uh, the same tree, the, one of the same trees, the tree of life is found in the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, as is found at the beginning in Genesis 3. And Jesus, all throughout there, um, and especially, he, Jesus really likes to use agricultural garden-type imagery. 
uh, when talking about the kingdom of God. So you've heard this before, but Matthew 13, the kingdom of God is like a seed on good soil, right? The parable of the sower. The kingdom of God is like a field planted with good seed, and then at night someone else comes and plants weeds in the midst. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. All of these are plant or tree images. And so the church is to be an embassy or an outpost of God's kingdom here on earth. So all, all that to say, uh, God uses this imagery and, and we want to, to, to bring to life with our lives, with our relationships, this imagery of the kingdom of God present, how, how it is available right now. And so an outpost or an embassy is like the U.S. has, the US has embassies all over the world. They're little stations where, I don't know exactly what happens, but they're little stations where like the, the U.S. has uh, um, influence. They have, they have uh, a representative. That's the right word. So, so the U.S. is represented in this space. And so the kingdom of God should be represented in this space among this group of people at Orchard. That's, that's our prayer. That's what we're seeking to move towards. And so with that, if, if the whole story of scripture includes this type of imagery of uh, a kingdom outpost and of, of, of garden imagery, then we want our lives to be shaped by this story. That's the only way we'll be a successful, a faithful outpost is if our lives are shaped by the story of scripture. And so uh, the, the last application I have for us is we need to each work towards and train towards applying the gospel, applying the good news of Jesus to our own lives. And so I picked a very concrete, real life example uh, to walk us through with, with what, what does it look like? What does it mean to apply the gospel to your life? Say you're looking for a new job. That's something that people do, right? And you could, you could figure out something else. Say you're looking for a relationship. You're, you're trying to make a decision, but I'm going to, I'm going to play this one out. Say you're looking for a new job. What does the gospel have to do with looking for a new job? Well, the gospel says your value does not come from what you do. So go ahead and look for that new job, but just don't look for that new job to bring you the security and the identity that you're really looking for, that you're longing for. The gospel says that God is present, that he is available to you now. So he's available to you now in your current job. So, and he's also available in the search for the new job and he's available in the new job. So again, don't just look for the new job, but in looking for the new job, look for God. Where, where is God at work? How is God inviting me to look for this job and to do my current job with him, the with God life, to stay connected to him in the midst of these circumstances? And it might be that this current job is really, really hard and straining. And you might think, well, Ben, I've already found God, so I don't need to keep looking for him. Um, I would just say what you really think about Jesus is revealed in what you do when you know you don't have to do anything. I want to say that again because it's been very helpful for me. <laughs> what you really think about Jesus 
is shown in what you do when you know you don't have to do anything. And so you're looking for a new job um, and you find that new job. But what if in the process you, you, you really weren't connected to God? You weren't deepening that relationship. You weren't abiding. You weren't remaining in Jesus in the process. You were, kind, you were anxious, trusting in yourself and your own wisdom. Um, and, and as a result, that, that, that job search it made you more irritable. It made you more selfish made you more anxious, then are you blessed? Well, you are blessed because you can still repent and you can connect to Jesus now, but you missed a blessing. You you missed an opportunity to go through life with God. And the with God life is the blessed life. So, The application as we apply the gospel to our life, it's always repent and trust. Repent of doing life our way and trust the good news that the kingdom of God is at hand. And and for me personally, one way I can bring this into my life is when someone asks me about my week, am I ready with the gospel? Like does my answer, is it connected to good news Or am I working my way? Maybe I'm not there yet, but am I working my way towards how is what's going on in my life and in my heart and in my mind, am am I connecting that to the goodness and the person of God? And I don't always have to say it like, oh yeah, like uh, you ask me how my week is and I'm ready with a spiritual gospel answer, but is that happening in my heart? Am I aware of how the challenges and the opportunities and and the frustrations around me, um, am I aware that that is an opportunity to do life with God, to stay connected, to be the tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf doesn't wither? Because this good news, it is good news of great joy for all people. And that message is to mark us. So let's pray together. Jesus, I want to be more connected to your story. I want my life to be more whole. I want to stay with you. I want to remain with you. And so, uh, would you teach me and every person in this room who, that's the cry of their heart as well. Teach us to train, not just with a lot of effort, because effort is good and necessary, but with intelligent effort. That the things that we wake up thinking about, uh, the, the sites we check on our phone, the, the frequency with which we check email, or with which we worry, um, that we would be honest with you about those things, and we would learn to trust you I pray that under your leadership um, no matter the size of this church 
no matter how bumping the worship music is. And, and I've, you know, I've prayed for a drummer and full band, but God, even if we have recorded music, uh, I want more than anything for us to be a church that is connected to you, whose, whose vision and whose, uh, idea of success is lives changed as we abide in Jesus, that you would produce the fruit that you desire to your glory. You're way more invested than me or anybody here. So we thank you for your kindness and how it does move us to repentance.